0: You're listening to the Arts Review Podcast Lifestyle Special. I'm Lauren Allen and today I'm joined by Lifestyle Editor Kinga Petrowska and Deputy Lifestyle Editor Trudy Feenan. Today we'll discuss imposter syndrome, cruelty-free makeup, cancel culture and turning your New Year's resolutions into intentions. I hope you enjoy. So Trudy and Kinga, thank you so much for joining me today. Trudy, we'll come to you first. What story have you chosen to talk about today?
1: Um, So today I will be talking about two stories. The first is about cancel culture, and it is written by Sarah Burke, and the second will be about vegan and cruelty free makeup.
0: So can you tell us just a little bit about what cancel culture is for our listeners?
1: Yeah, sure. So cancel culture is basically a modern Internet phenomenon. It's where a person is essentially marginalized from influence or fame based on some of their actions. And these actions are deemed unacceptable or objectionable by the public and the individual is subsequently cancelled as a result. So it's basically a modern and online form of ostracism, essentially.
0: And so this has, the article basically says this has been amplified due to COVID-19. Now this is probably a little bit of, everyone is kind of on edge at the moment. So I suppose the cancel culture becomes even worse than on social media.
1: Yeah, definitely. And cancel culture has garnered so much traction during the pandemic. And in the article, Sarah makes a really good point that everybody has more time on their hands at the minute. And this time is then, it's put online and it's put to it all on the internet and social media platforms critiquing other people's actions and Critiquing other people's actions has never been so evident as it is now, and we comment on whether people are wearing masks, whether they're two meters apart, or if they're doing the right thing—all things COVID considered. So, without even stopping to think, you know, maybe these people are of the same family, maybe they have underlying conditions that prohibits them from wearing a mask. So we instead jump to conclusions about um, whether they should be canceled or not. And jumping to these conclusions is a big aspect of cancel culture. People tend to make accusations, and the accusations get more traction than the story depicting two sides does. So it really is a matter of with the pandemic and with everybody being online, there's so much time to jump to conclusions and instead of looking at the bigger picture and taking a step back.
0: Yeah, I definitely think so. And as well, I suppose, with online and social media, like if let's say a politician or a celebrity or an influencer, when they put themselves out there, people are like, oh, but sure they're showing us what they're doing with their lives. So we have an opinion or we deserve an opinion on what they're doing. But I suppose like with all the negative aspects of cancel culture and social media is there a way back or have we just gone too far and we're just completely just canceling each other for anything these days
1: yeah like the point of no return
0: but basically
1: yeah. Sarah makes the point that sometimes an individual's actions if they're more questionable than actually being problematic like are they worthy of being cancelled like mistakes are made unfortunately when mistakes are made online and when they're made by someone in the public realm the situation can become amplified through the person of social media so in that situation she recommends you know taking a step back from the situation looking at both sides and reconsidering it as an individual not only as a social media user so like make up your own mind and don't let the mass amount of social media users do that for you and even cancel culture can be really harsh when it's brought to an online forum and it can have serious ramifications for like minor wrongdoings so on one end of the spectrum you have cancel culture being worthwhile when you consider people like Harvey Weinstein or R. Kelly who were cancelled by the public and then on the other hand you have some user on Twitter who only has a couple of followers and they put up a tweet they regret it and then they get cancelled too so it's getting the right balance between the two of them and while cancel culture can be healthy it can also you know for minor wrongdoings it's it's too harsh sometimes.
0: Yeah. And like you said, I suppose everything is amplified because of the situation yeah. that we're in at the moment. Kinga, I'll come to you then next. What story have you chosen for the podcast?
2: Hi, Lauren. So the first one we have is about swapping resolutions uh, with intentions. So uh, Neve Quinlan did a great piece on this and the article captured exactly what like I intended article to capture. Uh, which has given yourself some breathing space and going easy on ourselves this year. And um, because obviously, usually you just want to start straight away changing everything, having it done as fast as you can. Um, and, you know, usually that doesn't happen. And especially with COVID, um, as Neve writes in the first sentence, it's really funny because 2020 20 has been a hell of a year. And um, really, it's been hell. And um, I think we can all agree on that. So, just basically, <clears throat> resolutions can kind of seem more negative and then intentions and um, as we have the definition is that resolution implies there's something to be re- resolved or fixed but maybe you're not broken that's what what Neve writes and intentions give you more of an aim or plan you can adjust and change so it's just kind of kind of going easier on the kind of expectations and and stuff like that
0: yeah, and so I suppose there's so many people that are just, like, allergic to resolutions, and I suppose they can, in a way, have, like, negative connotations as well, where you're kind of obsessed with, you know, January 1st, 2021, like, my life is automatically going to change because it's a new year when it's the yeah. exact
2: same as the pr- previous day. Especially now, days are, like, exactly. yeah. to one
0: after uh, one. So do you believe in resolutions yourself and intentions?
2: Um. Maybe more intentions. I'm never really hard on myself. I've never been really that person that is like, right, this is it. And I have to achieve this by this day. Obviously, if I want something to change, I'll, I'll try, but I've never been really um, that hard on myself with them and um, because I don't think automatically you have to do something that you can change any time in the year. And it, it was never really January Mark Mark for me to suddenly become such a different person and do everything differently and um so yeah but I, I think maybe we should try with intentions to kind of change it into a more positive thing and um, I think it's more of a negative feeling of not achieving but also anxiety of failing leading up and you, you get that feeling that oh god I know I'm gonna fail at this yeah. but kind of having that intention and kind of adjusting things instead of completely changing yeah more helpful um, and especially if you you know you don't set extremely unrealistic expectation and doing the minor changes first that motivate and then encourage us to set in achieve bigger ones I think that's a much better way to do it um, and more positive in the end yeah.
0: and I suppose then like taking big goals and turning them into small manageable tasks like is there a real life example that you could give to our listeners that might make them understand this article a bit better
2: yeah, so I can use myself as an example for, let's say I'm in my final year now and we have a big project coming up. So I have until May do it. So if I set myself, say, um, I'm going to get this done in two weeks. Realistically, there's not a chance I would be able to do that. So I'm setting myself one, even one small thing um, or two tiny things in one week will make me feel like I've actually, there's progress. And I want to more and do more instead of rushing everything, uh, failing, um, and then just being like, I don't want to do anything like this ever again because you feel like you failed. But really it was just an unrealistic expectation you set yourself for in the first place. So really kind of being really meticulous with how you plan, your yeah. intentions or resolutions and um, so you know starting something from scratch is obviously going to take time yeah just to kind of really plan stuff out and the whole point of the article is to say you don't need to do these big major changes little small steps Yeah. will help you and be better for you in the end
0: I suppose then it's a, as well like it's about just having patience and letting yourself do the small manageable tasks every week and know writing them down and like highlighting them off or ticking them off it just makes sure you feel better than having this one kind of big unachievable goal
2: of yeah and even if you don't get that one tiny thing done it won't feel as bad as not getting the whole major thing exactly
0: Um, so Trudy I'll come back to you then um do you want to tell us about your second article
1: yeah so in this article Maria identifies that the labels cruelty fee and vegan they're not actually interchangeable and they don't mean the same thing and i know this can get a little confusing because as consumers we automatically presume that they go hand in hand but essentially the difference is that if a maker product is labeled as vegan it simply means that the ingredients used in the product don't contain only any animal derived products while some people disagree over the use of it officially this includes honey and beeswax and things like that. Whereas cruelty-free makeup means that the product, as well as the ingredients using it, were not tested on animals at any stage during the development. And most of the time makeup brands do have clear specifications on this. They usually include two separate labels or on the label itself, it will say whether it's cruelty-free and vegan or either are. So, but it is important still to check, do a good look around at the product. And if all else fails, check on in check on the internet because in their um product information it'll tell you whether it is both or either or neither yeah so i
0: i suppose like when you go walk into a makeup store or whatever like it doesn't automatically jump out to you that a product is vegan so it is really important to check i suppose is it on the back of the product i presume then if it is a vegan product it'll be written on the back of it
1: yeah, so whether it is vegan or cruelty free, you should always look out for the PETA. So it's People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals label. So they have both vegan and cruelty free labels, and it is indicated by a bunny. So it's like a black logo of an animated bunny, and you should look out for that. And on that, it'll have that logo and it'll also say whether it's vegan or cruelty free, or it'll say whether it's both. And then there's also the International Leaping Bunny logo. And that identifies that no animal t- testing has taken place. And that is like a little pink bunny. Um, it's really identifiable. So that one is a good one to look out for. And then you also have the Vegan Society logo. And that always indicates that the product is both vegan and cruelty free. And it usually says vegan in green writing or it has a green V on the product.
0: Yeah, that's great to know because I wouldn't know that myself if I walked into a shop. Like you don't kind of know what to look for. You're just kind of looking at the product. You're not looking specifically unless you like actively go looking and so you might. the article mentions as well some great irish brands could you name some of them first because it's really important to shop irish these days
1: yeah of course especially this year we're putting so much emphasis on it so carter beauty cosmetics is a cruelty free and it's mostly vegan and they specify on their website however that some products may contain beeswax so if you are um keeping that in mind just double check on the website whether it is 100 vegan and so Sue by Suzanne Jackson is another Irish brand which is certified cruelty free by PETA and all the, all their formulas are vegan and then you also have Anico Beauty based in Westport in County Mayo and they specialise in vegan and cruelty free mineral powder and then you have Amy Connolly a popular Irish makeup artist she also has her own brand known as Sculpted and she produces both cruelty free and vegan products as well so she has vegan products kind of in the pipeline at the minute but she's cruelty free for now.
0: Yeah it's great I I wasn't actually aware that Sculpted or Mm Sosubayastri was actually vegan and cruelty free so it's really good to know as well especially because they're Irish brands. So Kinga we'll come back to you then for your final article can you tell us a little bit about it?
2: So our final article is on imposter syndrome and it's by Kaylee Hardyman and I've always kind of been interested in this because I don't think we realize uh, how many people actually feel um, like that at maybe certain times of their life, not all the time. Um, so kind of put it simply like Kaylee did, it's an individual who experiences um kind of feelings of being not good enough or and believe that they are not worthy or good at something as others and it can affect them obviously it can affect anyone no matter what your social status uh, skill level age and um, all that so and um, someone like the symptoms and um, maybe you can be aware of are you know self-doubt overachieving and um, sabotaging your own success fear of not living up expectations and setting, setting extremely high goals and like that one for example setting extremely high goals I wouldn't have thought that would be associated with um imposter syndrome some i i found that one really really interesting but the whole thing of it is kind of like when you hear people saying fake it till you make it that's kind of how you'd feel if you kind of felt like an imposter in a situation you, you'd feel like you're you don't deserve to be there and so it's actually not a recognized disorder but it is very common and in the article it says that around 70% of people will experience at least one episode of imposter syndrome throughout their life which is crazy to think Um so you know it's just it's just yeah. an unexpected kind of thing. I suppose
0: the whole fake it till you make it thing I wouldn't have actually thought about that and, and that's kind of advice that's given especially to journalism students you know like or if you feel like you don't know enough, or just fake it till you make it. Have you yeah. ever felt like you have a moment of imposter syndrome? Um,
2: I have that a lot actually. And it's like in little things, um, especially in like setting goals. And I was always kind of a perfectionist, which is kind of, I'd say part of that, which can be really stressful. And I wish I wasn't. And um, especially in journalism, let's say, I'd be more comfortable in like talking broadcasts kind of stuff than writing, even though like even opening grades, I, I get so scared and I do well. And I'm like, I don't know how I got that. Yeah. And I should be like, Oh my God, I did the work. I deserve this. I'm yeah. like, I don't know how I got that. I don't deserve that. Yeah. And it's such a small thing, but you don't really realize, but if you keep doing it, it's just going to get worse. And so it's just kind of recognizing uh, recognizing this and kind of being like, well, I did do the work. Obviously, someone who knows this has told me I know it. So why do I still feel like that? Um, and even with things like, I remember in second year, I was talking to our lecturer, Declan Fahie, and I was like, oh, I can't write a College View article. I don't know how to write articles yet. And he was like, start. And I was like, no, but it has to be perfect. And he's like, if you're looking for perfection, then don't go into journalism because you, there's not gonna be one article you're going to find perfect after you write. right there's always going to be something you're going to want to change and that's what people you know authors when you publish a book maybe they read it back and they're like oh god we're going to change this 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 and it's the little things that maybe we all kind of think that everyone's always confident in everything that they do but again they could be faking it and we just don't know maybe yeah. deep down they're sitting there like world theaters being like jesus i don't know why i'm here yeah. and it's so hidden that it, it's weird to see that percent of the people would feel that more in their lifetime
0: yeah I suppose as well just the time in our lives that we're in like in college nearly starting jobs trying to figure out what the hell is going on I suppose like we're probably more likely to feel it now but then again there could be someone that's 50 years old who still get petrified standing up in front of a crowd or standing in front of you know employees or colleagues and terrified to speak or whatever the situation might be, so I suppose you can. Yeah, when mind. you think of
2: let's say mature students coming into college, imagine how you know terrified they must feel and out of place. And it happens ever a new job, switching jobs, new area you live in, you don't know anything when you move to a new country, you might feel like I don't belong here, and so yeah, it could be anywhere on anyone. I suppose then as
0: well, like, is there a way to stop ourselves from falling into this trap of like not feeling? Like we're good enough or not feeling like you said like ready to start writing those articles for the college view even though you just kind of have to jump in dive in and hope mm-hmm.
2: for the best yeah Katie kind of talks about like even telling yourself some positive affirmations like i can do it even to the mirror apparently it actually tricks your brain into thinking you know it's real what you're and after a while you get confident and you're like if you say to yourself and um, let's say i'm confident in the mirror for like two weeks straight like it has to have some effect. Our thoughts really affect how we do things. So when you think about it, stopping them negative thoughts. Even when you're you know, when you kind of opening that grade and being like, Oh my god, how did I stop it and be like, No, just don't think, be happy and just kinda of ex- accept and stuff. I think it's it's our thoughts that we really need to just become aware and filter out because um that's where it gets kind of bad and and yeah kind of realizing uh, small even small success that you do and then it'll be easier to accept bigger success so um yeah I think if you just do little bits or even you know see a counselor or someone when you think it's really about your self-esteem or you want to feel more confident and I think it's really important just to chatting to someone um, and can help as well yeah well girls
0: those articles were really good and thank you so much for joining me today
2: thank you so much for listening to
0: today's show. If you're interested in reading any of the articles mentioned in today's podcast, there are links in the description box below.